John the Baptist was having second thoughts about him. The people were calling him a glutton and a drunkard because he went to parties and associated with sinners. And the cities in which he ministered and performed miracles refused to repent. So what did Jesus do? He refreshed himself spiritually and taught us by example and word how to find rest for our souls. He taught us to praise the Father, to accept the Son, and to take the yoke. And we must do all three if we are to find rest for our souls. The first step in finding rest for our souls is to praise the Father. We're in Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it is well-pleasing in thy sight. At that time, when things weren't going well at all, Jesus praised the Father. I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. The word for praise actually means to acknowledge. Jesus was acknowledging that his Father was Lord of heaven and earth. That he was in control. Even though things didn't appear to be going very well at that moment. The powerful, influential people of Jesus' day weren't responding to his message. They didn't seem to get it. God was apparently hiding the truth from them. Or maybe their intellectual pride had simply blinded them to the simplicity of the message. Either way, they weren't responding. Some of the intellectual babes, however, seemed to get it. Maybe it was because they had a teachable spirit. They didn't think they had all the answers and were therefore open to what Jesus was saying. But regardless of the dynamics, it was apparent that God was enabling babes to understand what the wise and intelligent couldn't. And Jesus acknowledged that that was apparently well-pleasing in the Father's sight. It may have been well-pleasing in Jesus' sight as well. He was that in tune with his Father's will. But even if it hadn't been, even if Jesus hadn't liked it or understood it, I believe he would have praised God for what he was doing. And that is the first step in finding rest for your soul. You'll never find spiritual rest. If you're always challenging God's authority to do what he's doing. If you're always trying to figure everything out and make sense of everything that happens as if God owes you 
the explanation for everything that he does or allows to happen. You know, it's only when we become like babes and trust in the love and goodness of our Heavenly Father that we find rest. It's only when, like Jesus, we can say, I praise Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for whatever is happening. When we recognize that whatever is happening is His will, and that He is at least allowing it to happen. And even if it isn't well-pleasing in His sight at the moment, it will be because He can use it to accomplish His will and in the end make it well-pleasing in His sight. Only then can we begin finding rest for our souls. When you have complete confidence that God is in control. But that's not the end of the matter. Spiritual rest is more than simple resignation to the will of God, but it does start there. And thankfully, God doesn't ask us to have blind faith in a God who is out there somewhere. He has revealed himself through his Son and has made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with him through his son. So the next step in finding rest for your soul is to accept the son. And it is impossible to find rest for your soul apart from the son of God. In John 14:6, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." Obviously, you'll never find rest for your soul if you're alienated from your Creator. And the only way to be brought back into relationship with your Creator after sin separated you from Him is through the Son. In fact, the only way we can even know God is through the Son. For as Jesus said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. All things have been handed over to the Son. All things, all power, all authority... All divine activity has been handed over to the Son. God is at rest. After the work of creation, the Creator rested. Now it's the Redeemer who's at work. And we don't fully understand the work of redemption or all there is to know about the Redeemer. In fact... Jesus said, no one knows the Son. And the word means to know perfectly, completely. No one perfectly knows the Son except the Father. Now, we think we know Jesus. In fact, we think we know Him better than we know the Father. But we really don't know Him. Not in His entirety. There's more to Jesus 
than we will ever understand, at least in this life. There are things about him, especially in his pre-incarnate state, that we can't even begin to comprehend. So no, we really don't know Jesus. Not fully. Of course, the same thing might be said about the Father. Obviously, there are limits to our understanding of God. But Jesus knows the Father fully. And He said He reveals the Father fully to those He wills to reveal Him. By walking among us. And leaving a record for us to read, Jesus revealed the Father to us. He revealed to us the very nature and character of our Creator. You may find it surprising, but Jesus didn't come to earth to make Himself known among us. He didn't come to reveal the Son. He came to reveal the Father. He wants us to know our Creator. He wants us to be at peace with our Maker. He wants us to find rest for our souls. Our prayers are addressed to our Father. That's the one Jesus came to reveal to us. To bring us into relationship with our Creator so we can be at peace with our Maker. That's amazing. We find that peace by praising the Father, by accepting Jesus as the Son who brings us to the Father, and by being willing to take up the yoke that Jesus offers. Let's continue. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. In an attempt to be spiritual... The religious leaders of Jesus' day had burdened the people with rules and regulations that became a burden they couldn't bear. And to those who were weary and heavy laden with vain attempts to find spiritual rest and contempt of the soul through misguided spiritual activity, Jesus offered his yoke. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Wait a minute. Doesn't that seem strange to offer a yoke to find rest? You know, a yoke is a heavy wooden beam that ties two oxen together. And you wouldn't put a yoke on the neck of an ox when it's ready to be put out to pasture. You put it on the ox when you expect it to work. 
So apparently Jesus isn't putting us out to pasture to find rest. He's putting us to work. And believe it or not, that's where we find rest. We don't find rest in doing nothing, at least for long. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I like a break. But if it goes too long, I'll go crazy. That's why retirement is not in my purview. And I'd drive Maryland crazy. You don't find rest by doing nothing. You find rest by doing something constructive. And the retirees who have nothing to do aren't restful. We find rest and contentment and satisfaction in productive labor. And the same is true on a spiritual level. If we are accomplishing something, if we're growing, if we're getting somewhere spiritually and we know where we're going, we're at peace. And that peace is rest for our soul. But the only way to really know where we're going spiritually is to hook up with someone who really does know the way. And obviously that person is Christ. And to us he offers a yoke. His yoke. And he invites us to hook up with him. Now, I like that picture. I don't know if they still do it out there, but I remember seeing oxen yoked together at New Salem. It was amazing. Big, sturdy animals tied together, made into a team, and pulling, working together. It was the yoke that made them into a team that enabled them to work as one. And Jesus is saying, come, become one with me. And together we will accomplish something for the kingdom. Hook up with me and, and everything you do will have spiritual significance and meaning. Because I'm in it with you. We don't take the yoke off when we get home at night. When we're around the kids or the spouses or in the workplace. So whatever we're doing at that moment, if we're yoked to Christ, has spiritual meaning and significance because He's pulling with us and guiding us and directing us. Furthermore, I think Jesus is saying, I'll lead you into areas you could never go and would never go without me. And you don't have to know where God wants you to go or what he wants you to do as long as you're yoked together with him. Now, some people are so frustrated never knowing what God wants them to do in their life. Just hook up to Jesus and let him lead. Day by day, step by step. Don't look for the big plan or the spreadsheet or whatever it is you do on computers. Just yoke yourself up to Jesus. So it's okay if our knowledge of God and His will is limited. It's okay if we don't understand the deep things of the Spirit. We'll learn from Him as we walk along together. In fact, He would rather us be like babes than to think ourselves wise and intelligent. He can teach us more if we don't think we know everything 
already. And he is gentle and humble of heart. We're not yoking ourselves to a spiritual stallion. We're yoking ourselves to the Lamb of God. He will lead us where we need to go. And he'll be patient with us as we learn to walk in step with him. Besides, he says, my yoke is easy and my load is light. Now, legend has it that Jesus actually made yokes in the carpenter shop in Nazareth. I don't know if that's true or not, but it fits my sermon. Legend says Jesus actually made yokes in the carpenter shop at Nazareth. And he built a reputation for well-fitting yokes. Yokes that were custom-made for a particular team of animals and therefore fit perfectly. Now, the word for easy can also be translated well-fitting. And if this all works together, I think Jesus is saying that he's offering to each of us a custom-made yoke that fits perfectly when he says it's easy. And since my yoke was made for me and Jesus, and your yoke was made for you and Jesus, we can't swap yokes. They won't fit. And they may have been designed for a different kind of work. So I don't compare my work with yours or wish I could be doing something else for the Lord. I'm content knowing I'm yoked to Jesus. And we are doing exactly what he wants us to do because he is the leader of our team. And notice that we will have to carry a load. We have a job to do. That's why we need a yoke. But he does promise if we're yoked to him, the load will be light. We will be able to bear it because he's pulling with us. I like that picture. I like to think of myself being yoked together with Jesus. I hope you do too. But how do you really know if you're yoked together with Jesus? Obviously, we can't see or feel the yoke around our neck. So how do you know if you're really yoked up to him? I think the only way to tell is to examine our life, look into our heart, and be totally honest. What are we doing? What's motivating us? How are we making decisions? You know, it was very popular some years ago. You know, what would Jesus do? And asking ourselves what would Jesus do before doing something can be a help. But, and this is a big but, we must know what Jesus would do. Simply asking the question and then assuming we know what he would do invites us to do whatever we think he might do. And that very easily becomes a way of justifying what we want to do. So if we really want to know what Jesus might do, 
We need first to learn what he actually did do. And that, of course, comes from reading and studying his word. And then once we've determined what he did when faced with dilemmas or decisions similar to the ones we're facing, we commit ourselves to doing what he did. And, of course, if he said in his word exactly what we are to do or how to respond, we just do it. It's not a decision we have to make. We're yoked to Him. His will is our will. If He's revealed it, we do it. We don't argue with it. We don't take off the yoke and say, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't feel up to it today. Okay? We keep the yoke on. We surrender to His will. We let Him lead. We consciously and faithfully surrender His Lordship over everything, every aspect of our life. Have we surrendered to His Lordship? We sing it all the time. Are there areas of our life we haven't surrendered to Him? Do we take off the yoke when we want to do our own thing? We've got to be honest you got to be honest. It's only when we have fully surrendered to His Lordship in every aspect of our life that we can rest assured that we are yoked together with Christ. So again, how do we find rest for our souls? We begin by praising the Father, acknowledging His right to be God, and refusing to think that he owes us an explanation for everything he does. Then we accept the Son as our Savior, so we can get to know our Creator and our Maker on a personal basis and become comfortable in His presence. And then we yoke up ourselves to Christ. And let Him lead us through life in productive labor for the kingdom. That is how we find rest for our souls. We trust our Heavenly Father as revealed through the Son and yoke ourselves to the Jesus revealed in God's Word. If we'll do that, He will give us rest. Let's stand.